There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. From the first few flickers of the new generation, to a certain future icon secretly making their debut against a bad guy. Here are those things you did not know about WWE in the year I was born. Hi, I'm Gareth, this is What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 things you didn't know about WWE in 1994. Number 10, Hulk Hogan, is gonna feature all over this list. But not once did he do that for WWE. This itself was a first since 1983. But was also the year a frankly incredible and likely never to be repeated streak was broken. It was the year Hulk Hogan neither won, lost, nor held the WWE Championship for the very first time since his inaugural reign kicked off a decade earlier. He defeated the Iron Sheik in January 1984 in a run that ended in 1988. He won it back in 1989, lost in 1990, won and lost in 1991, was stripped of it ahead of the Royal Rumble in 1992, and controversially scored his fifth reign in 1993 before departing from the company in the summer. By then, his time-traveling days were behind him, as was a WWE legacy Vince McMahon moved fast to minimalize. Hogan wrestled just 24 matches across the year, which reflected the lightest full-time schedule he'd had since breaking into the industry in 1977. None of them were for McMahon, of course. Aside from the WCW dates, he also worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling at the Tokyo Dome on January 1st. Away from his prior World Wrestling Federation comfort zone, he was starting the year as he meant to go on, as was his former employer. Number 9, the new generation takes shape in the Royal Rumble. Months before the new generation became the branding method of choice for a WWE undergoing historic changes in just about every department, the Royal Rumble match revealed a sign of things to come. Not only did it feature Bret Hart as the overwhelming favourite of a live crowd forced to pick between the Hitman and co-winner, and transparent Hulk Hogan like-for-like replacement Lex Luger, but it also featured over half of the entrants competing in their first ever Rumble match. And digging into the data finds that for most, it was their first opportunity too. Quang, The Smoking Guns, Diesel, Jeff Jarrett, Men on a Mission, Thurman Sparky Plug, Lex Luger and Adam Bomb had all been in the company for a year or less. It wasn't much longer for the Steiner Brothers, the Head Shrinkers, Doink and Bam Bigelow. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were in the Battle Royal as singles wrestlers for the first time. And former WWE Champion Bob Backlund, a record setter one year earlier, made it just 41 seconds before being eliminated by breakout star Big Daddy Cool. And as many potential new talents took their bow, one long-standing star prepared to take a break. But number eight, The Undertaker's work schedule during his time off. Was Undertaker shooting in his infamous 1999 promo about eating snakes in Death Valley when he turned to the big show and said, Nice try, big man, but I don't sleep. No, he was just being a preposterously insecure grandstanding idiot. 
idiot. But he put in nine years of hard graft working for Vince McMahon by then, so people are entitled to lose their minds a little. Shortly after Chris Jericho and the rest of the world highlighted how boring and unintentionally hilarious that was, the dead man was given time to rest, rehabilitate, and return as the American badass that brought him several years away from the persona that made him an icon before a welcome return a few years on from that. It was only the second significant break he'd taken in nearly a decade. And even in the first one, he was still on the clock for his boss. After Undertaker floated into the rafters following his Royal Rumble loss to Yoko Zuna, he supposedly disappeared until his SummerSlam return against Ted DiBiase's doppelganger. He, in fact, worked 15 matches, which is almost one per fortnight during the time he was away. Often batched together, he worked international tours in May and June and got back on the dark match circuit in July and August ahead of his return. They were nonetheless regular enough that those wacky Elvis-adjacent skits weren't the only places members of the public were catching sight of the former WWE champion. Number seven, the real career break in 1994 was taken by Shawn Michaels, who didn't work an official match for the company between wrapping a post-WrestleMania house show run against Razor Ramon on April 3rd and a televised bout with the bad guy on the live August 1st edition of Monday Night Raw. It never really felt like an absence at the time because, amongst other things, it really wasn't. Michaels took on the role as Diesel's manager and host of the Heartbreak Hotel talk show segment on television and wasn't shy of taking the odd big bump when the story required it. But matches were off the menu for a bit as he enjoyed his own sizable break after over six years of grinding for Vince McMahon. Kevin Nash credited his friendship and working relationship with the Heartbreak Kid with getting him ready to carry the company on top in 1995. Not least when he got to be ringside for Michaels versus Ramon matches that were allegedly as good if not better than their WrestleMania 10 classic. The aforementioned Raw Firecracker made a great case in point. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a quick question. What's your favorite Shawn Michaels match ever, baby? You let me know in the comment section right down below. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Number six, Vince McMahon used Monday Night Raw to toast his not guilty verdict. On August 1st, Monday Night Raw was all the way alive, and Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon contested one of the best WWE matches of the year, as if to remind viewers of how the new generation marketing campaign did have a grain of truth, even if it predominantly existed to separate the company from Hulk Hogan and WCW. Worked at a killer pace between the click mates ahead of Ramon and Diesel's Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam 1994, the match was fundamentally everything great about the company distilled. The commentary across the night was not. Obviously deliriously happy to have been found not guilty of the charges brought against him by the United States government, specifically the two counts of distributing steroids and one of conspiracy to distribute steroids, Vince McMahon was back on commentary and in a fantastic mood. Though it wasn't in keeping with his on-screen persona to gloat, he had no problem with colour analyst Randy Savage doing that for him. Welcome back Vince McMahon. Savage bellowed, before later adding that Razor would annihilate Sean just like Vince did the US government. One, two, three, not guilty. It was the start of multiple references to trials, and injustices against innocent people, and even extended to McMahon's defense team getting name-checked on air. At one point, McMahon chuckled and exclaimed to a giddy Savage, you're on a rare form tonight, almost as if he wasn't feeding the macho man the lines himself. Oh yeah, and just a quick one, I want to thank you right now for watching this video today and if you like what you see then go and click on that subscribe button down below. Number 5 The Controversial Aftermath of an All-Time Great Match The legendary WrestleMania 10 ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon might not have been the first of its kind. Despite the company's attempt to canonize that whenever they weren't feeling charitable towards Bret Hart, but it did revolutionize it, opening the possibilities for exactly how one could work beyond the simple act of climbing, creating a template so robust that it remains in place today despite the overuse and bastardization of the stipulation itself. It was a bona fide classic, but it did commit one cardinal sin, that it ensured an almighty bollocking for HBK and the bad guy when they got backstage, rather than a round of applause. Longest tenured veteran macho man Randy Savage loudly and aggressively chewed them out for going over their allotted time. And it wasn't just their indulgence he was targeting, a 10-man tag had to be cut from the show to save time. And Savage fumed that 10 colleagues had lost their share of a pay-per-view payday because two had coloured outside of the lines. He let them have it, reminding them that the business of the business still came before the show. And that wasn't Randy Savage's only big locker room statement that night. Number four, the WrestleMania 10 conclusion was Randy Savage's idea. Indeed, Hulk Hogan was the ghost at the feast for much of 1994, it being the first full calendar year since Vince McMahon took control of his father's organisation that he didn't wrestle and feature prominently. But his absence and thus his his presence could be felt lurking over WrestleMania 10. The event that was 10 years in the making was missing the main man that had featured in the main events of the first nine. There was no ignoring his place in history, but a fellow company figurehead that had shared several of those spotlights with the Hulkster was determined to drive the push for the new star to get his rightful spot. As commentator during Hogan's hijacking of Bret Hart's WrestleMania 9 moments, Randy Savage spoke constantly of the respect he had for the Hitman. Savage was willing to show and tell one year later. It was supposedly Randy that suggested and called for the locker room celebration when Brett lifted the gold for a 
second time. And mid-party, the macho man could not have done any more with his body language to let Madison Square Garden know that the pink and black attack was every bit the suitable replacement for a departed orange goblin. Number three, less than one year after winning the WWE Championship, Hulk Hogan was matched alongside the start of civilization, effectively, to really illustrate what exactly the new generation was in contrast to days gone by. WWE produced a series of adverts that might have been charming if they weren't so bilious in the background. First using cars and failed attempts at flight in contrast to Speedway clips and Concord, respectively, the company then threw up clips of 70s-80s greats to go up against the likes of Diesel, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, and Roddy Piper as examples of how 1994's crop of stars left the lads from the past in the dust. One of the lads was, of course, new WCW centerpiece Hulk Hogan. The hypocrisy was laughable. He'd been Vince McMahon's choice over his new starlet Bret Hart precisely 12 months earlier, but now he was presented as a relic alongside the likes of Andre the Giant, Ivan Putski, and the Iron Sheik. Giants had passed away in 1993, but the latter pair both worked novelty contests for WWE in 1997. Four years after this trailer aired, and one into Hogan's business transforming stint as a Hollywood heel. Number two, the end of an even longer era. Back in 1990, WrestleMania and indeed WWE had said farewell to Jesse Ventura, bringing about the end of his iconic pay-per-view pairing with Gorilla Monsoon. By 1994, it was also time to say goodbye to the other half of that partnership. Monsoon covered the King of the Ring and Survivor Series in 1994, but both events were as substitutes for Vince McMahon and Randy Savage respectively. In the case of the latter, Savage's WWE departure was such a surprise that Monsoon wasn't even really the ideal seat filler. McMahon always worked best with a heel and a colour analyst, and Monsoon typically served neither purpose. Nonetheless, it served as his final pay-per-view commentary spot ever. Despite holding down regular spots at the desk on third-string television shows, he mainly moved into kayfabe admin. He famously served as the on-screen WWE president between 1995 and 1997, ahead of making his final on-screen appearance before his passing at WrestleMania 15 in 1999. And number one, Jeff Hardy started at the very top. Well, sort of. Between wrestling on trampolines at county fairs and coming together to form Omega, the organization of modern extreme grappling arts, as young hopefuls, the Hardy Boys' journey from the backyard to the big time has been well documented. But all of that practice served them well enough to be the most popular jobbers on the WWF circuit. And at just 16, as far as officials knew, he was actually two years older, Jeff Hardy got the opportunity to lose a painful squash to Razor Ramon when the original victim couldn't make the show. The future charismatic Enigma's real name was protected too. Instead, he took on the alleged name of the absentee and went by Keith Davis for the one and only time in his career. The match can be seen in all its glory on the June 6th edition of Monday Night Raw, but it was actually taped on May 23rd, the night Jeff's brother Matt suffered his own squash loss to Nikolai Volkov. And the rest was never dull history. If you enjoyed this Things You Didn't Know About WWE in 1994 video, well, give this 10 Things You Didn't Know About WWE in 2000 2001 video I watched then. Your mind is about to be blown. Bye bye.